hello, uh, I'm here now. And I'm like, okay, now I'm just like, okay, okay, wait, this is real. You know, you just sort of, it grabs you because you go, it's, it breaks, it's different. They're all like identical. And then it's just like, this is a different one. You go, okay, wait, this guy's doing something different. And just the fact that he's doing something different has mean he, he's made a choice. You have to make choices both as a, like in all, as any creator, you just have to make choices. Welcome, Spacers. My name is Christopher Schmidt, and today we're going to talk about the making of Firewatch, the game, with Sean Bonneman. Sean is a video game designer, writer, podcast host. He was also the co-project leader and lead writer of The Walking Dead and Puzzle Agent 2. He also wrote the third episode of Tales of Monkey Island and was the designer of Wallace and Gromit's Grand Adventures and the writer of the third episode, Muzzled. He's one of the regular hosts of Idle Thumbs podcast. And today we primarily talk about his own studio he co-founded, Campo Santo, and their first game, Firewatch. Firewatch is an emotional drama that centers around the character Henry. He's a man whose home life is in free fall, and he takes a job as a fire lookout in the National Forest Shenandoah in what appears to be a way to isolate and numb him from his problems. Within this lush, stylized, and expansive forest, he finds mysteries within the forest, and with his boss, Delilah, who's also a lookout on tower many, many miles away. Some notes on where I'll be. On May 10th, I'll be emceeing the Virtual Accessibility Conference, Access U Summit. It's a one-day, one-track virtual conference about advanced web and mobile accessibility. You can get up to speed on accessibility without you and your colleagues having to leave the office. Learn more about it at accessusummit.com. That's access, the letter U, summit, all one word, dot com. Also, I'll be hosting the CSS DevConf in San Antonio, Texas, on October 17th and 18th. Uh, we'll be one block away from the Alamo on the famous Riverwalk. And we have uh, speakers such as Trent Walton, Chris Coyer, Rachel Andrews, Jonathan Snook, Estelle Weil, and just a whole bunch of great uh, content and a lot of great fun, too. Uh, so join us at San Antonio, Texas for the CSS DevConf. Learn more about it and grab an early bird ticket before they're gone at cssdevconf.com. Hope to see you there. And with that, let's get on with the show. Live, it's live. What are you going to do? Can't, you can't stop him. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> um, also, let me know if I shouldn't swear. Chris, yeah, minimal swear. I'll try to... Okay, for... Yeah, of course. I'll keep it to a minute. I'm sorry. That's going to be yeah. very difficult. Actually, especially with license, uh, I'm trying to think now, a sound effect from uh, Firewatch to us to bleep you with, <laughs> then I'm okay with you, sir. Oh, done. Ah. <laughs> Easy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Free. I was, I was saying thanks for, for being on the show, for being here. My um, pleasure. Yeah, just uh, Chris and I... I think we played separately, so we're just we, we, we both enjoyed the game. And oh, you guys um, didn't play the Firewatch co-op mode? Uh, no. <laughs> no, Wait, nobody what? knows about it because it doesn't what? exist. No, I'm just kidding. Exist, yeah. yeah, this is the fir- uh, the game came out, and then uh, uh, Chris was talking about it, and then I was like, oh, I'll just I'll play it, and then uh, everyone played, it. and then I was just um, I was just entertained by how different it was of a game. And so that's probably my, my first question. I just want to get out of the way is uh, it's felt like some, there was, and I don't mean that, like, I guess I just get out of the way. It's just, like it felt like it was hard for people to label the game as yeah. like a shooter or 
or what have you. So I'm not a big gamer, so I, I enjoy the game immensely. So do you feel like there was some um, a lot of blowback because of that, or do you feel like... Um, no, I know? don't think there was blowback so much. It was hard early to communicate what we were building and get people excited about it, right? So we couldn't... Like, we think about market. Like, first off, we have no marketing people at our studio, like, officially, but we market... We do all of our own marketing. So marketing is sort of like a part of the design process. And I think that's really good because at all the whole time you're trying to communicate, you're trying to think about how do we tell people what this thing is going to be? And then when they're playing it, how are we com- like subtly telling them what this thing is while they're experiencing it? So it just gets you thinking about customers like all the time. And like, you know, it's like video games is a business. Like you have to like sell your games if you want to continue to exist, right? So that was really hard. That was really, really difficult because you don't have like a genre to just be like, it's an RTS, it's a whatever. Um, I find that really exciting though. Um, I find that to be really, really valuable because you still have to market your game. So what we decided to do was just market it like a movie. Just try to market it like character and story and tell people how exciting the story and how beautiful the world was going to be. And I think that was really, really good for the game because it like people who play games can just project onto the trailer or screenshot or whatever, the sorts of things they think you're going to do. But then for people who don't play games that much like yourself, you get to sort of, you're, you're being spoken to in a language that you understand, which is, like entertainment, and I think that's really kind of good. Um, I and I also think just as an industry, it's really good to be making games that are sort of not um, genre e. They're not able to be classified in genre because we have been sort of programmed as like a entertainment digesting public to just that genre genre is like um, is just like is is like there's no alternative to something genreless or like multi-genre um whereas 50 years ago or like in you look at like the films of the 70s that wasn't the case like you could just make a movie for adults and you didn't have to worry about what, what genre it fit in you didn't have to worry about if it was a tentpole or you didn't have to worry about if it was whatever like in a pre-jaws pre-star wars world um so that's really good i think i think that means that there can just be like a broader swath of games like i was Oh, I was uh, went out to dinner last night with my buddy Amir Rao, who runs a company called Supergiant, and they made Bastion and Transistor, and their new game is called Pyre, and they just showed Pyre at PAX, and I've been sort of like playtesting Pyre for I don't know about four months now, six months, and the first time I played it, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I'm oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to start this podcast. <laughs> like, what is this? Like, this is amazing. Like, thank like it doesn't have because um, he's like, "Oh yeah, coming out of PAX, it was weird. It was." disconcerting that some people were saying that the game was weird mm. in terms of genre. And I was like, that's just because they don't have a, la- a language for describing what it is. They just have to kind of say an amalgam of, they have to actually use description, descriptive words. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, that's a very strange feeling, I think, right. for people who write about games and talk about games. So yeah, I've gone yeah. on for a while now talking about this, but I think it's really good. I think it's awesome. I think like that game is going to be like a weird strategy adventure RPG sport thing, yeah. and that's awesome. Like that's great. That means that like we can stop thinking about what like just the possibility space of what games can be is bigger, and if the possibility space is bigger, the industry grows and more people are attracted to it, and the industry is just like more confident and has like a marketplace of ideas. And I think it's really good. That's a good question. I really like think talking about that stuff, obviously, because I've just been talking about it for an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, I think what's what's cool about that is like, or and also uncool is like Firewatch a game. If I, I'm thinking like I could plant my dad or my mom or somebody who doesn't normally game in front of it, and they would play it and enjoy it. I think, but if they heard, hey, you're going to play a video game and it's kind of like a movie, and you know, you try to do just what you did, then sometimes they're like turned off by it or whatever. But it's it is like just getting them in the door, and then I'm sure you can, you'd leave them with it, and they'd be like hooked on this game as an experience. Just regardless, not worried about gaming as a thing you know like as a genre even of itself or whatever so yeah getting them in the door is the thing right just getting people to sit down for five seconds and go oh wait what is this um and that's been something that's been really successful with firewatch in a way that we are like really proud of but also weren't expecting because you can't expect that sort of thing so yeah i knew that it was possible christmas i played the game for um uh my girlfriend's family for i just like started down sat down and started playing it and then by the end, like there was just, like nine people in the room, and then I we had to finish it, and I had to like pause it if somebody went to the bathroom. So it was like, no, 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 you know, it was like, a, and that was pretty cool. And I went like, well, okay, well, this maybe we have something here that people are drawn to. Um, How is that on the creative side? As I've been a person who's shown someone my podcast or shown someone my a video I made or a website I made, but like as a game, when you make that, is it hard to like? sort of hear people watching and, and sort of like, I find myself justifying like, oh no, that was when I coughed and you know, you shouldn't listen to that part or whatever. But as a game, as a whole package, is it, what is it like as a creator to sit down with folks who are playing your thing? Yeah. Well, especially with family, you want to, or friends, you want you're always like, you have to fight the urge. I mean, I'm not good at that. of just being like, oh, we're fixing that. Or especially when you're, you're or in you're making it when it's done. I don't say, I, I can't kind of just don't say anything because there's nothing to say, right? The thing that has to speak for itself. When you're making it and you're playing it with people, it's like you're constantly like, oh, no, 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 we're fixing that. Or like, oh, no, no, that's going to be better. Or like, oh, yeah, it's a bug. Don't don't look at that. No, don't go over there. I don't know. Everything we work on is so collaborative, right? I think that's what it is. Because I was thinking like, I was about to say, oh, it's sort of like it's a maturing thing where like the older you get or like the more you do it and the more, the bigger the audience gets, you sort of, but that's not quite right. I don't think that's right. But like, because I never really felt that way at Telltale and we had an audience most of the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> And especially when we got to the Walking Dead game, had a massive audience. But that game was such a like a labor of a of a group that you just know that like Derek Sakai's art direction is gonna distract from the garbage that you made. And if he wasn't able to like do his magic on a certain area of the world because we ran out of time, then you know, the acting of Dave Fenoy and my writing or whatever was gonna like take the load off so you do, you're less sort of um self-conscious i guess uh this was definitely the most self-conscious project i've ever worked on because like it kind of felt like we're a small team mm. um and the story was pretty personal and yeah i didn't really realize that until we shipped the game though right. because yeah, we would do play tests and I would just never get feedback on the story. It's like, oh, I like the characters. Or like, oh, I like the dialogue. Or like, oh, I don't like Delilah. That was pretty much the only thing we heard is like, oh, the dialogue's great. Or, man, eh, I don't really like Delilah. Or like, oh, I love them. Or like, oh, what's going to, you know, that can't really do anything with that. <laughs> then be like, all right, um, good. I guess I'll just keep going. You know, there was no like stop and retool this, um, which you'll get from certain play testers. I never really thought about it. And then we shipped it. And that launch week was really tough because it was like sort of the wallop of like, oh my God, everyone's playing this. And I got, it was actually, it was right before, it was two days, three days before launch. I was talking to um, Todd Martins of the LA Times 
and he had just played the game and just dug into the themes really hard. And I went like, oh my God, like, what have I done? What have I shared? <laughs> like, what have I made people do? Like, the wife is going to get Alzheimer's? Are you serious? <laughs> you know? Um, that's not a spoiler, by the way. That's, like, in the first five minutes of the game. <laughs> um, so uh, that's when I kind of went, like, oh, no! I got, like, I went, like, oh, I've done, I got really insecure about it. But at that point, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, like, go on Twitter and be like, everybody, listen. There's some stuff in this game that's good, and some stuff in this game that's bad. But just, just so we're all clear, like I couldn't caveat it at that stage. Yeah. It was like gone, you know. Yeah, you don't really see Steven Spielberg coming out and saying that, you know, with his movies. Just probably like, should hey. sometimes though. Yeah, yeah, he's probably just, just like walk like, out there. War Horse comes out on Friday. It's not my best work, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Steven Spielberg, so you're gonna see it anyway. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was Can't the take DVD that away. Pen. Yeah. That <laughs> article is the from Walking Dead to Walking Dread, which is kind of <laughs> a nice oh, like title. I know, and I remember, uh, oh god, that by, uh, that that by headline. Like, I was like, just sort of like, oh come on, <laughs> like, are you serious <laughs> with this? Yeah, I will say it was one of the more unique puns, or I guess you, yeah, that uh, had been used because Firewatch just sort of like lends itself to being to getting a cheeky headline really fast, you know, it's like, had it been a game been bad, you know, it could have been, you know, who knows. Yeah. You know? play with the word burnt probably a couple times or. Yeah. 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 yeah no. It just would have been, yeah. Or, yeah, it could have been, could have been real bad. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you mentioned the game is like very personal, like, uh, and in researching it uh, for today, it was just like, you really wanted to be in a national wilderness, like a forest, the Shoshone national forest. Is that because of was that hunting trips with your dad? Was is that right? Yeah, I mean, I grew up like 25 miles from the national forest. I guess it starts mm-hmm. about 20, maybe 22 miles if we're gonna be whatever, like really close. Yeah. So um, it was just a place that I had a lot of um, love for, and still have a lot of love for, and have a lot of just sort of like I go back there and I get like really emotional. I'm like, because I just it's just like all these memories of being out there. Um, you know, both with like my dad and my friends alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, from basically age ten to like when I went to college. Um, oh wow! So, so can you yeah. describe the isolation? Is, is the isolation in the game sort of like what what you wanted to carry? Is it the same thing that you you had? Or? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I can't tell if it's the same. Yeah. It's an approximation, but I don't have a very good like emotional barometer because of the making of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like at this stage, when I, I it's funny as I really like playing Firewatch, uh, which is kind of rare for have, ever working on a game. But I'm just more taken by like everyone else's craft. I'll see like oh my god, like Jane, like oh my gosh, how did you do this? You know, like Chris, how did you like oh perfect, like oh. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, really taken by everyone else's work. Um, so I can't, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how to answer that. It feels like someone would have to like sort of experience both as a, a whatever, um, as a, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, visitor, right. you know, customer slash visitor, and then go like, yeah, that felt right. Cause I don't, I don't know, but um, it definitely wasn't wrong. I just don't know if it's the whole, you know, I just don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I, guess, I guess I'm asking cause like I'm, uh, my, my uh, idea of camping is like a, uh, is a motel pretty much. So I would just, uh, so going out to a forest is yeah, the game's kind of like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Depends. Uh, when I go out in the woods in Wyoming, you are like alone. 
you are really, really, really alone. Like there is just there's only four, maybe half a million people in the entire state. Like the population density is an is an inner is a whole number. I mean, you can go half an hour out of town, and if something bad happens to you, they're not even gonna find you. Like the, the people are just gonna, you're just dead, you're gone, <laughs> you were just deleted. So that feeling is really, really intense. Um, and I think it gets to people who do go experience it as an adult. It's really exciting to me having experienced it as a kid, so I'm not afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was funny. Last I was out there when we were working on the game, and I went out into the like where whatever. I just like went up, not even like far off the main road. I hiked in maybe like a mile to get some um, audio reference. I was with my mom actually, which is weird. My mom isn't really an outdoors person, but I was like, oh, come with me, it'll be fun. And um, we kind of got like we went. We were coming back. And we were on the trail, and there was just a bison on the trail. And I went like, oh. And he was like, he was not stoked that we had come over this hill. <laughs> My mom starts freaking out and hyperventilating because they're like, they'll mess you up. Um, yeah. <laughs> they weigh like 2,500 pounds or enormous. Um, and I felt fear. And it was funny because I hadn't really felt fear in the wild and like outdoors ever. And I was like, man, California is making me soft. Like, I was like, California finally did it. I went like, wow, like something, like I had to think, like, okay. How do I handle this situation? Because if I don't handle it appropriately, someone's going to get hurt, and um, like for sure. And that was a really interesting feeling. And um, I don't think the game isn't really about that. The game doesn't really approximate the the physical danger, um, but it does. It was it was a hope that it would approximate what it felt like to just sort of like walk around and be with yourself, um, because that was definitely an experience that I uh, was a bulk of my my experiences growing up. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the, the things that I found sort of at first was kind of disappointed in the game is like sort of feeling like, oh, I can't really die or like, you know, that like we're talking about the different genres of games and you kind of like, oh, I, I can't actually fall off this cliff per se or whatever, you know, just and but then oh, you can. And then it's a game breaking bug. And then we right. get a ticket about it <laughs> and it sucks. Yeah. And I go, oh, no, <laughs> that's one of those yeah. moments. <laughs> yeah, I go, oh, can the game is a fact you have died. Basically, yeah. you just become a. Uh, uh, the dude from 127 hours. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then recognizing Sorry. over yeah. over time, no, it's really like that. Actually, this is fun. You know, it, like there's that part of me that's like wants it to be like another game, just like we were talking about earlier. Put it in a certain box right. and keep it there, right? And then, but enjoying the experience and coming from where I live in Canada, wilderness is pretty pretty nearby or whatever. And and but still like enjoying the the yeah like the the video game and the aloneness and the, you did a great job of, of capturing that, I think, and just like distance from humanity anywhere and, and the fear of what could happen if, right. And, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and yeah. I know, you know, getting into like the, the towers that you were, the experience of being in a tower and being on your own and that kind of thing is just like, yeah, totally captured so well in the game, I think. And, um, the, the friend you. of mine actually just went just like a couple weeks ago, she went to, uh, actually an old firewatch station in Oregon. So, oh, cool. and I was like, I saw her tweet a picture of it. And it was like, for a second, my brain was like, you're in the game. Like you're, <laughs> cause it was totally exactly like what you guys did. And I was like, like, you have to play this game. Cause you, and she's like, it was just so amazing how this experience that she was having was like exactly what I had just, you know, I felt like I'd gone through because I played this game, even though I hadn't actually been anywhere near a actual firewatch station. <laughs> yeah. Jane and Ollie just like nailed it. It was really 
the moment it, uh, we never really had I, so this happens a lot especially in first person games you have these like weird scale issues where you're like this doesn't feel right like why is that door so tall or like why is this that doesn't feel I feel so small and insignificant or like that but like not in a good way and we just never really had that on Firewatch um, I remember I mean we probably definitely did I just never experienced it I'm sure it was like the blight of um, Janing who I keep refer- refer- referring to is like a 3D artist in the game um, I'm sure it was like every day of her life for two years but um remember when the tower first went up on the hill and I went, Oh, <laughs> like that just feels like what it is. Cause we'd been to one, we'd been to a few and, um, it just felt what it was like it was. And it was, that was a pretty great moment. Um, and even being inside of it felt like what being inside of it was. And that just made all the, it, it's like when people are doing that stuff, well, when we're such a small team and you're seeing it as you go, it just makes everyone else get way better at their jobs. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, now I know how to like, I know what Henry sounds like in the space because I can go into the space and talk to myself. I can go in, I can walk around the tower and just sort of like talk to myself for like half an hour and just be in there in the game and go, Oh yeah. Like, okay, this is the way Henry just, this is the energy level he has when he's in this space versus like, then I go for a walk in the game and I go, Oh, this is the energy level he has out here. Like they're, they're different. I don't know how to describe it, but they're just they're different, so we direct differently, and I write differently, and everything. Right. Yeah. So like, uh, that's one thing that I didn't want to say. Like, we saw that um, photo of of you and the team at a uh, tower. Uh, so mm-hmm. like, how often did you do? How often do you guys do? You, was that just one big uh, outing, or did you guys go back over and over again? We did individual time? trips. We did. That was the one big team outing uh, to Yosemite, mm-hmm. and. Um, which is very different in Wyoming, but it was the closest we could get. Um, and uh, then we did individual trips. Like I did my Wyoming trip. I know Jake did some hi- hikes into Lookout Towers. Uh, we had actually planned to stay in one, but it was we booked it at a bad time, and then we ended up not doing it. Uh, I know Will went to a couple Lookout Towers. Um, so it just kind of became a thing that if you were on a trip, and there is one you probably had to go hike up to it. And then there's one actually, 20 miles north of San Francisco, where I live, where I am right now. Um, that looks over like all of Marin County, and it's a weird municipal lookout tower. And I want I've been up to that one a bunch. I like ride my motorcycle up there and stuff. Um, yeah. So we didn't. I don't think we did any other big team trips for that sort of purpose. But that was like, I think that was three days in Yosemite maybe more three days, but that was great because uh, like Ollie Moss had never been anywhere like that. He'd only sort of been out in like the rolling Hills of England. Um, he just never experienced anything like the American West. Uh, and I think that was because when you're up on that, the lookout tower that's on the, for the photograph on the blog, like you can just see forever. You can see, oh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how like scientifically possible, how far it is to possibly see, but it just seems like you could see like hundreds of miles. You could just see forever. And there's not a lot of places in England where you can get up high enough to see hundreds of miles without just seeing all of England. <laughs> you know, not just being like, there is one coast, there is the other. You know, yeah. like, so I think um, he was like, all right, okay, yeah. I understand. And so, uh, you know, Ollie Moss is uh, just a well, well known talent before the game. And so I think, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's so awesome that he, uh, was part of this game because I was just uh, to be able to interpret his work into a 3D was what Jane was tasked with doing. I thought it was just uh, it's just it's just a fantastic game just visually 
looking at it, if you just take away the story and, and whatnot, and I felt like they did, you know, she and, and them just together, just work together. It was just, it's just a beautiful game. Yeah. Yeah, they had like an un. They have um, a pretty. Well, Jane has a really uncanny ability to um, capture how something feels and make it in 3D without. Man, I almost used the word. I almost said she can like. She doesn't. What is it? See the forest for the trees. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> for readers at home, I just did double double gun <laughs> suicide in my head. Like, ugh. Um, the episode title, I guess. Yeah, she doesn't sort of get. She doesn't get um, myopic about about the work she does. So she just focuses on what things feel like in a way that's really, really uh, splendid and really amazing. And then um, we had a graphics programmer named Paolo and another graphics programmer, just sort of like programmer general named um, Ben. And they're just really smart about about building tools that people like Ollie can use. Like Ollie had never done a game before, but was able to go in and like light a bunch of the game and do color correction on all the game. And he could just use the tools that he knew how to use um, and use a little dashboard and use Photoshop. And that was, that all just kind of came together really nicely. So yeah, they're really good. I don't know what to say. They're just like awesome. Just like the best people in the world. <laughs> so yeah. So I thought that was, I think it's just great. So if, cause, cause Ollie's, I just, for people, I guess before the game, they might know him best from the, the star Wars uh, triptych posters. I guess that's his, um, his, oh uh, yeah, he would love. He, and that's he, he loves to be known for that. No, really, he <laughs> no, no, not really. Not, not really. Okay. It's just one of those things where he's just like, I'll never, ever, ever outlive. <laughs> like, I'll never get up. You know what I mean? It's like he peaked too early. Oh, no. um, oh man. Yeah, no. I mean, Ali's been a he's a he's an illustrator. Um, lives yeah. in England. He had done lots of pop culture work, including those Star Wars posters that like basically yeah. burned down the internet. Yeah, um, that are thousands upon thousands of you can base you can buy a good like a good used car for yeah. on eBay for cheaper than you can buy his posters on eBay. Those yeah. posters at least. Pretty um, much. Uh, yeah, he just liked it. games and he and Jake were friends on AOL Instant Messenger because Ollie liked Sam and Max, I think, mm-hmm. or something. And uh, we went over to London and met him. Yeah, uh, he doesn't live in London, but we met him in London and yeah. We just like became fast friends. So uh, he was looking to just do something different yeah. for a while, and we're like, "Well, let me let me tell you, let me show what making games is like. It's a real, it's a, it's a real like a, I don't know, vacation from whatever you've been doing." And I think by the by the time he was done, he was like, "Okay, I'll take some, I'll take a break from video games for a minute. Maybe not. I think he might still work in games, but um, yeah, he by the end he was like, all right." I get it. Um, yeah, I think I saw his tweet, like uh, his Twitter stream. He's like, "I'm gonna go back to making something every day, like some sort of sketching yeah. or whatever, some piece of artwork." Yeah, game development's really tough, like that. Game development is you kind of hit this like this trough, and a lot of I guess startups experience it or whatever, where you just hit this. It's like if you were building a house, but you had to build all the material, make all the materials offsite. And then you were just going to show up with like all the, everything at like the last month and put it all there. So, but um, your emotional marker for building the house is just staring at the, the slab of concrete. And every day you come in and you're just like, great, nothing like there's nothing on the slab of concrete. But meanwhile, like the game is just getting made everywhere all the time. And then, you, then you know, it comes up and comes together, and you go, oh my god, um, okay, we have a game. Uh, but for someone like, especially Ollie, who can lock himself in a room with nothing, 
but his like Cintiq and produce a piece of finished, like absolutely in his eyes, complete work and just get it made on like, get it screen printed, put it up online, whatever. That process is really hard. <laughs> I, I suspect it's hard for me. And that sort of that emotional part of here's everything we have left to do. And here's the nothing we have done, but you've done a ton. You're doing a lot. It's just not, it's, you don't get that feedback loop of, of complete completion of like, yeah, you did a good work. Like, great. That, and, um, you know, part of just game development is getting comfortable with that feeling of just like staring into the abyss and going like, all right, fine. Like I, I'll be, it'll be fine. But at so the same you, time, having a little, have a, a little voice in your head that goes like, all right, well, if it's for 15 months now and we don't have anything more than the first day of the game, like, really? Is it going to be fine? Like, when do you actually stop tricking yourself? Ooh, you know, otherwise, you know, like, like, people wonder how a game is in development for, like, eight years, and it's just because it can be. Right. <laughs> like, it's just, you can continually, you can just allow it. It's like being in, like, a bad relationship or something. You can just let it keep happening because, like, why, like... <laughs> Do you know how hard it would be to like end it, end this? So, so this uh, but we're pretty. Make, yeah. right? is it, sounds like we're done. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I have a Firewatch. <laughs> we're out. Uh, yeah, no. I'm not doing anything. I'm just uh, <laughs> thinking about getting into into gardening. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're gonna, we're gonna work on something else. Um, we all, I think Jake and I especially are getting a little antsy. Um, we have a little bit more Firewatch stuff we want to do, so there'll that'll, there'll be like we'll announce some stuff when we feel like it. Um, you heard it and, here first. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you actually did hear it here first, like for sure. I've not spoken. I've not. I've definitely heard this here first. It's more than just the co-op uh, multiplayer stuff we're talking about, right? Yeah. Oh, more, way more than that. Ranked <laughs> matchmaking, please. <laughs> um, my Firewatch MMR is gonna be sick. Um, <laughs> Uh, the Firewatch Royale then, game is awesome. Yeah, so. we're gonna we're gonna um, we were gonna do like a Heroes of the Storm thing where we brought every character from the Campo Santo library out nice. for like a five on five MOBA, but then it was just like Henry, Delilah, a couple teens, and like that was it. And so yeah. we couldn't really do it. We gotta make us some more yeah. games before we can make the Blizzard style <laughs> MOBA. Um, yeah. But we will do far, a pure Hearthstone ripoff that's just like. Card game, or yeah, your heart is broken. You experience tremendous loss, <laughs> and then your will to live just goes to zero. And the first person who can't handle it. Uh, so we have a couple things we want to do, and then, but at the same time, we're kicking around ideas for a new thing. And I mean, I, we don't really know how to live. Like every, now, we're learning a whole new thing, which is like, how do we exist as a real game game studio? You know, on Firewatch, it was how do you make a company? But even then, it kind of felt like baby's first company. It felt like like the Fisher Price version of a real company. And then how do you make your first game? And like, how do you use Unity? Like, no one of us had, no, no, nobody had used Unity before to make a video yeah. game. This is, oh, no, James, the animator. He had, he made Ori, and Ori was in Unity. Um, so, so one like out of 10 had used Unity. You know, we, so now we're like, okay, how do we exist as a real company? How do we yeah. hire people? How do we, like, how do, like Firewatch was conceived like in my living room with Jake at first as my roommate, and then eventually um, Nels and Ollie, and then Will and Jane, 
but just sort of like before we had my office, we were just like hanging out in my living room. How do we do it now? I don't know. <laughs> like we have an idea, but like maybe or two or th- everyone has an idea. Like I, you know, but like, how do we do, how do we start? So we're trying to figure that out right now. Uh, I do, do want to go back to Firewatch just a little bit. I just want to talk about uh, the voices for the characters and um, uh, especially for, for Henry. Mm-hmm. And you noticed uh, and then researching it, you said that uh, you, you tested 50 people before the role is that right maybe more like i it was countless it was dire it was a real situation it was a dire situation yeah just i couldn't i just was it was bad it was like being like it was like dating it was just like what's wrong with me like what what okay now like eventually you say no to so many people you're like okay this is me this is about me i can't find this person right um do you think at one point you're like you should be the voice actor okay i'll tell you why (laughs) (laughs) because i a i can like Acting is like really hard. Yeah. Acting is like painting or playing the guitar or something. Um, so except the acting kind of similar to writing is that everybody thinks they can do it because it's like, I, I, like, I could do that. I have a personality. I can do whatever. And the writing, it's like everyone can. I'm literate. I can write. Um, they're very similar in that a lot of people think they can do them who can't. Um, no, because I did the voice for our Scratch audio for our original prototype. And I was basically had to throw – we had to throw – we didn't because people actually used it to build systems, but that entire project, I think it was called Unity Gray Forest, <laughs> built, named after the asset pack we downloaded to learn how to use Unity. Um, uh, it's called Gray Forest, is what it was called. Dot Unity, yeah. It was useless to me because I would go in there and I would hit play, and I like it was just like, okay, I can't listen to this. It's like, it's nothing. I hate. It was really. It was torturous it was really bad so no no i didn't know what we were going to do i mean eventually we just would have gone back to the pile of 50 and been like all right somebody's in here we'll just get somebody and go forward but um i had luckily i'd had that experience because i had cast and voice directed on the walking dead um along with writing and designing with jake so i'd been through it before i knew it took a lot of time i knew it took getting the right person and i had cast the wrong person for lee everett before and we recorded all of episode one of the walking dead with a different guy and then built it and it was bad and then we had to find dave finoy um so i was like don't do that it's one of those things where if you don't cast the right person Every day you work on the game, it's a, it's harder than it should be. And then when you cast the right person, everything gets easier. Writing the game was just like the hardest part was plot and scripting and logic, like all the different options. But like actually, what Henry says was just like easy because I knew who he was because <clears throat> Rich had brought him to life. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and that's a it's Rich Summer from uh, um who. It took, me, it took me a while to figure out who he was in Mad Men because uh, I was pl- playing yeah. a game. I was just like, his voice is really familiar. And then he I just Harry Crane on yeah. Mad Men, yeah, the TV then, guy. Yeah, and it, it took me a while to figure out who he was in Mad Men because I was like, in my brain, I was like, going through like he, he's he's just took me forever to figure figure it out. And then I didn't think his voice would be ideal for 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 this game. I, like the person I was thinking who he was wasn't that voice but then when he but when you're listening to him as he goes to the game it's just like it's like he brings just a lot of nuance to the yeah and uh, he's like an amazing actor it's funny there's sort of like two types of really of amazing actors i found one is there's the amazing actor who 
knows they're amazing and then just is this sort of like a cool dude about it and then there's the amazing actor who just kind of like shit on himself all the time and uh until you get to the studio and then he's just on and that's rich like rich is just like i'm the worst and then you get you're working with him and he's just locked in he is like locked in it's amazing it was a really um it was a real good experience for me because i was really nervous at the beginning because he was shooting the season finale of mad men and then when in then the next day he would be on Firewatch. So I knew that the day before, like Matt Weiner had been sitting down with him being like, This is what the scene is about, this is what you're this is what's happening, this is what you're feeling, and like working with him as a real director. And then he gets this guy, this fucking <laughs> chump. Sorry, I'm not supposed to work <laughs> this chump. Um, so that was really but that that was quickly dismissed because I, I realized that if I was nervous I wasn't going to do my job and uh, I think it, it ended up working for the game because everyone including myself was is like that day one when we record in order which I don't know if we would do again but it made sense for Firewatch um, everyone's tentative like Henry's feeling out Delilah and Delilah's feeling out Henry and I'm feeling out the actor so everyone's a little tentative and I mm-hmm. think that really worked in the direction yeah Rich is just so good and he's one of these guys that he just kind of crops up in a lot of stuff too he's starting to Especially now that he's like got enough distance between him and Mad Men, um, and he just knows everyone. He's like one of those LA guys who just kind of is friends with everybody. Yeah. So like when he he was just in New York doing a play with um, Ed Harris uh, for like four months, and um, while he was out there, he shot like one of the like interstitial um, sketches for Last Week Tonight. So I'm like watching Last Week Tonight. I'm like, hey, here's right, buddy. Like you know, and um, he's just and he has an incredible range. Uh, I'm really excited to see him in more stuff. I really, I would love to see him in like a really meaty role on screen. Um, I would love that. He's just yeah. so good. Yeah. So, so what did what did you like? You had like 50 people. What did he do that like you felt like that made him stick out? Because you're like in, sound like in a middle of panic mode. But what what, did, what oh, about his yeah. audition? Did you say like, oh yes, him? Um, so this is what happens. Um, and this is a good thing for all aspiring voice actors. Um, I get 15 auditions from an agency, right? And, uh, they show up as WAV files and I'm, I open it up and, uh, I'm trying to think of a good opening line. Um, like a good line. Let's say the first line, let's say the whole script is about, uh, the opening of the day zero. He's like, hello, I'm here now. And then she says, "I'm gonna. I'm. By the way, as I repeat it to you, I'm just going to in, like I will repeat it with the same up and down as in the game because it's just burned into my brain." And Delilah goes, "It's Henry, right?" And he goes, "She goes, uh, or he says, it's Delilah." Like, yeah, that's what the guy said on the phone. Uh, it's Henry, right? I'm Delilah. Yeah, that's what the guy said on the phone. So what's wrong with you? <laughs> that's how it opens. That's how the game opens. And I sit there with the wave files. This is gonna be really hard for me to act because I have Rich's read in my brain. And I hit the first one, and it goes like, hello, I'm here now. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, literally, this is a 50-line script I've given them, or 20-line script. And it's like, nope. And then it because what happens is I hit the next one. Hello, I'm here now. Hello, I'm here now. Hello, I'm here now. And this is different people, right? And they're all the same. They all just go, I have a spot where I know to go. I'm a voice actor. Like, I've done a bajillion games so i know like i just go it is like they like cru- they put it in fourth gear and are just like cruising down the freeway going right. through it and you can just go through a box of reads and they're all the same they're literally 20 people and they are 20 identical people and they can be different ages races 
everything. Like, doesn't matter. They're all reading it the same way. Riches comes along, and he's got, like, you know, I hit play, and he's like, hello, uh, I'm here now. And I'm like, okay. Now, I'm just like, okay, okay, wait, this is real. You know, you just sort of, it grabs you because you go, it's, it breaks, it's different. They're all, like, identical, and then it's just like, this is a different one. You go, okay, wait, this guy's doing something different. And just the fact that he's doing something different has mean he he's made a choice, you know. Um, that's huge. You have to make choices both as a like in all, as any creator, you just have to make choices. And I think like when you play a game that feels doesn't really land, you know, like everyone kind of like crapped on Destiny at the beginning. Remember, I mean, people love Destiny now, but people crapped on it from like the the moon, the wizard, <laughs> that crap. It's because like nobody made any choices. It was just like everything. It was just stuff, you know? Yeah. And if the choices they were making were generic, they weren't specific. But, you know, Rich made all these specific choices in the read and it wasn't stuff like, and sometimes I'm like, okay, I probably would have, but like, that's great. Cause like, if I don't like it, I just go, I know if I was in the studio, I would go, oh, hey, when you zig, I need you to zag. Try zagging. You know, or like, hey, it seems like you think you're supposed to be, it seems like you're feeling really, you're playing it like you're feeling really nervous, but I want you to play it like he's really tired, like he just had a really bad day. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he goes, and he goes a different way. But because he had made the choice to play it, oh, I'm going to play it like I feel like I'm nervous or like that I'm wor- I'm scared of this person, I knew that he was capable of making any choice so he just chose that one but there's no way that he should know that coming off some sides that he gets in the email so i was gonna say are you, when you're hearing this is it labeled like rich summer a guy from Mad Men, or is it just like generic voice so you don't have that face oh no i knew it was rich oh, yeah okay. i knew because i we asked him personally we asked him over right. twitter because he followed That's... a board game blog that uh patrick ewing who's a programmer at campo um created so i was like the moment he got followed by rich summer i was like wait that guy from Mad Men follows you right and he's like yeah i'm like okay that means you can dm him right and he's like yeah i'm like i'll dm him and see if he wants to do this and then uh he emailed me right back and then we got on the phone and nice. um he's like i'm really interested he had played the walking dead that always really helps you know um and like the walking dead and he's like i'm super interested we'll do it like i don't care what my agent says like let's figure out a way to do it and i was like do you want to read the script or anything and he's like no no it'll be, it'll be fun let's do this and uh, he was just so down from the beginning and the oh, same nice. with sissy like they were just like down and when you're working on an indie game and you're working on your first game mm-hmm. that's what you need like you know we at all levels like use either you're down like or you're not <laughs> you know i mean when we were hiring it was like this is what we can afford to pay you this is what will happen if the game is successful because you'll get like royalties forever like basically everyone on the team gets like a little royalty um but we're making an indie game and it's probably not gonna happen so you're probably gonna be out of a job in two years are you in or are you out and then people will be like well i want a little bit more i want a little bit this it's like sorry like i you're pick one and everyone to everyone's credit at campo um every single person on the team was just like yeah let's do this like we're in um and i think that confidence to say yeah let's do this is twofold like one is it meant that we were kind of onto something in terms of the creative which was really like really helps because I was really nerd. I always thought it was bad. And then also it just means that the people who are saying yes, have enough confidence in themselves that if everything explodes, they're just going to be able to be, they'll be fine. They'll be able to find work, you know? Um, so, you know, I think that was a very common thread for everyone who came to work on the game. Um, Rich and Sissy included. You worked, as you said, like you're working on an independent team. What lessons uh, do you wish you had known 
like now that you now you put the game out, you put Firewatch out, like what lessons, like I guess life lessons, if you will, or, or whatnot, like from going from working for another company to working as an independent studio, do you, you know, that you wish you yeah. you known before you started? I mean, there's like a million. There's just so many things. We didn't mess. We didn't mess up. That was the thing. We got really like Jake and I would. We talk all the time, but we would kind of like make sure we always have like one good chat a week. We're mm-hmm. just sort of talking about. We're talking about like, you live in these like one week or two week increments when you're working in game development, and then you know it's kind of our job to be thinking and talking about like the next month, two months, next year. So. We would always sort of be like, we have, we. Oh, I caught myself. <laughs> I almost swore. <laughs> like we, I'm like we haven't messed up yet. You know, we haven't. We there's like no blunder. We haven't made our first blunder yet. We kind of got lucky. We made a blunt. We made a couple blunders that then got like accidentally fixed. We're like, oh my god, that could have been so bad. You just didn't. You know what I mean? It's like when you come home and like your stove has been on. You're like, oh my god, all my things could be gone. The cats would be toast. Oh my goodness, but uh, everything's fine. Don't ever do that again. That happened a couple of times. Um, mostly that I don't have to do everything because I was like trying to run the company, trying to do the books, trying to do ev- like trying to do everything. And that because I was so worried about money, I was just so worried. We had like this like this. We had enough money to make the game because we had asked the guys at Panic for enough money to make the game, but we had enough money to make the game and nothing else, <laughs> you know. So I, I was always so reticent to just be like, let's bring this person on and help me with this or whatever. And now, I mean, by, I, it's sort of like a luxury that I now can, because the game is done well, that I can go, oh, we're going to bring this person on and take a load off. We're going to bring this person on to help Jake out with this. Or we're going to hire, we're going to wait and only like hire, you know, an artist who has only made, who's made UI because Jake does all the UI. And I'm like, we're going to, I don't care. We got to wait six months and we have the greatest candidate in the world. We're going to say, let's just wait and see if we can find somebody who also wants to do UI. Stuff like that. Not that we would do that per se, but that was probably the big thing. This sort of taking stuff off my plate and asking for help. Um, I've always been good at asking for help, like asking for opinions and stuff. And like I call like advisors and like people who have like Amir is a good example. Um, yeah, I've always been good at. I think we've always been really fortunate to have those resources. But there's lots of like process stuff. You know, we just had our post. We just had our Firewatch postmortem that was a full day, um, and the way we run those. Uh, it was really smart. It was came up by uh, again this guy Patrick who works at the studio, uh, and he came from Twitter. And they're always like doing this sort of stuff, like process stuff. And we don't do like a discipline by discipline kind of like complaining session. We do. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the studio gets three colors of sticky notes. It sounds kind of crappy and bureaucratic, but it really works. And one is stuff that you should keep doing that we did on Firewatch or we discovered on Firewatch. We definitely got to keep doing. Then there's stuff that we did on Firewatch um, and we should stop doing or we did and stopped and just remind ourselves to never do that again. Um, And then there's stuff we should start doing that is an idea that we should do. And you just write them down for like half an hour or an hour. You get a little little, little stacks. And then someone, um, Aaron, who's like our office manager slash Aaron's the, the the glue. She just sort of makes stuff happen now. Um, she took them all, and she hadn't worked on the game. She came on after the game shipped. She took them all and just sort of put them up on this wall in a like group by discipline. So it's like, okay, here's all the like 
event system stuff. Here's all the production stuff. Here's the communication stuff. Here's the QA. Here's this. And then we just start with a big cluster. We pull them down off the wall. And it's like, keep doing this. Stop doing this. And we read them all. And then we kind of put them all back. And then we pluck one that seems sort of like meaty or like incisive. And it's like, stop using blank for task tracking. And now we have a discussion about it. You know, We just sort of go through them. But what's nice is at the end of this postmortem, we have only actionable items, stuff to stop, start, stop, start, and keep doing. We don't have like the list of hurt feelings about how right. Jake called me a butthole a lot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and I, now I'm mad about it that um, yeah. Jake doesn't call me a butthole that much. He calls me things that are much worse, <laughs> bleepable things. Oh, for, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like bleepable. Like like in a real way, bleepable. Like in like if somebody was walking by the studio, they'd be like, they would call they would call the police. It sounds like we're having a domestic. For the scale for scale, I guess how many folks would be sitting in on a postmortem like that that worked on the game or were you know tangentially involved in somehow in the game? Um, so the game had like ten full timers on it. Um, nine of those were devs, and then we had. Probably twelve people total touched the code base because we had people come in for like six to nine months. On like our VFX guy came in for eight months and just like did all the sort of like smoke and dirt and like butterflies and things in the game, and he was awesome. And uh, so the postmortem, I think we had. Let's see, Ollie wasn't there, and then one of our programmers had moved on to a new job. So I think we had nine people there, eight people yeah. there. So, so we'll try to be the whole studio, you know, more or less. Yeah. yeah. Cause I would guess most people would think maybe it's like equate it with like sort of electronic arts or this big studio idea of like tons of people touching this thing, but knowing that it's like individuals and like under 20 or whatever mm -hmm. total, you know, is, yeah. is, is a testament I think to how well the game came out and the amount of, but also the amount of sweat and work you guys had to do just to get it out the door and, and, stay true to your vision of what it was going to be. Cause I'm sure there was moments of like, what are we doing? And we should probably stop now. Cause where are we going? Kind of <laughs> with this when you're, yeah, the vision ends up just being more of a feeling, you know, we try to like, we obviously have a feature set and stuff you want to accomplish and like stuff that you think is enough to make a good game, but stuff can quickly come off that list. If it's like not copacetic with the tone and feeling of what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to make. And a lot of that is we're discovering along the way, because again, it's like a genreless game or it's a game without a like very strong core genre. It's not that it's genreless, but it's easy to, the thing about what we found actually was, uh, and this is something I'd probably harp on too much um, because everyone was really experienced and very smart. There was a lot of like hypothetical game design. Where it's like, we can't do that because if we do that, then this is going to happen. We got to do this and this and this and this. This isn't going to work and this is going to work and this isn't going to work and this is going to work. And it's just like an hour goes by and two hours go by and you're like, you could have just made the thing and found out. So we're trying to be a little more disciplined in that regard. You know, and I think that's something that like new devs, like it's a huge competitive advantage. Like you just make stuff because you don't know. And you're probably going to discover something that we would never discover because we're a little bit set in our ways. So Yeah, so the, the intro for the game was like, it's... It's all text, and I felt like was that just a a very conscious choice to do that? And because I felt like I felt like like a lot of visual gamers would kind of just blow by that real fast and just try to get to some visual stuff. Is that because uh, there's, oh, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of emotional weight of the choices that people are making before you even see like you know the forest, you know? So it's 
Yeah, that opening is the whole like kick and caboodle of the game. Like if you're yeah. that, that also is is actually pretty good in my opinion because, mm. um, well not that was a really arrogant thing to say. But, like it actually it works it really. Yeah. It accomplishes something that I am very that I am happy about. That mm-hmm. I was not the reason we put it in the game. We put it in the game because we we liked it and like yeah. it was one of the. I had written that that choose your own adventure basically in Twine to communicate to the team like what who henry was okay. and it was like inter- internal eyes only and then it instantly and then we started thinking like oh like maybe this is usable i think it was i don't know it doesn't i, I always want to say it was chris remo that had the idea but um i don't can't remember it was pretty early it's like oh yeah we should just put this in the game and this is just maybe it was even earlier than that yeah i think it was really really early because we were keep we trying to design the, the first five minutes of the game because that's really really important you know, you get that first five minutes and you have, um, you know, that's where you're going to like bring people, like latch, latch onto people. Like people are going to give your game five minutes. Like people like technically give your game 10 or 15 minutes because they bought it, but their hearts are going to give it like five. Mm -hmm. And then if every minute after five, they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to wait for this to get good. Unless it's metal gear. And then they'll just give you two hours or whatever. Watch it. (laughs) Final fantasy, whatever. They'll just, because people, un- but, but again, those are series. As people understand what they're that they're, they have an, yeah, expectations. So anyway, um, the thing about the the opening, um, which we call internally the twine, but I guess it's the prologue, the prologue of the game where you're making choices over text, and then it's intercut with first person exploration stuff. Um, it's us saying also, and I realize this later, if they, you don't like this, <laughs> like this is not your game. Like this is just not for you. This is and that's okay. It's just for some other people. So, yeah. luckily on Steam, you can get a refund. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and I think it, the game is um, like I said, we marketed it as a like a story experience and art and characters and first because we didn't know how to tell you what it was. And uh, you know, we did a lot of like there's stuff in the trailers that isn't in the game, like big time. Yeah, like the whole like yeah <laughs> like you know <laughs> yeah um but that's because like if i show you the version that's in the game you're not going to have context because it's really nuanced so in a trailer we got to kind of like do the trailer version of the moment that makes you go oh no you know like yeah. the moment in the game i mean the moment in the trailer that we showed at e3 um with sony like he grabs the wire, which is on day two of the game, and then she says, "You know, if you're not in your tower, who is?" And then he whips around and he looks at his tower. Yeah. Not in the game. Um, and yeah, uh, that was the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like something like that happens in the yeah. game, so we wanted like we couldn't just show you it where we wanted to put it because where we knew it was better in the game, we knew it was way better where we had it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we couldn't show it to you there as designed because it was weird. It was just like, it was a really like, you're not, there's nothing to really look at when it happens. It just, it's all audio almost. Um, it's a very audio forward scene, I should say, but we are showing this trailer in the LA sports arena, <laughs> you know, where they like had the Olympics. So it's like, I had, it's going to be huge. I got to like, it has to be visual. So we're just like, screw it. We'll just do it though. Right. We'll just do it the way it should be in there, and then we'll just change it in the game if we want to. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, apparently, you did, but sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, I don't yeah, a refund for it. I'm not. But I think yeah. So we can do whatever with the marketing, you know. And obviously, you have to be honest about your game, and you have to like sell it for what it is. But 
when you start the game, we were always really confident that like we didn't want the game to like pretend to be something it wasn't from the moment it started. So, which I think know. that's I was gonna say with the the intro the way you did it. As a gamer person, I think I was over overthinking. I want to go back and just play the game through now that I'm like kind of like relaxed and not trying to figure out what I'm doing. But mm-hmm. it felt like I was trying to analyze it. Like, okay, is this a loading screen or is this a because my Mac at the time actually was really slow, and so I was like, okay, "Oh yeah, you gotta play it." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now I have a faster Mac, but okay. um, or is it like a you know a game introduction and explaining the mechanics of how this game is going to work? Which I guess you could say partially is, but it's yeah. good to hear. I guess that it's like story first and other stuff kind of. Well, I mean, you learn how to do everything you need to do in the game by yeah. that section. You know, it's like you're gonna walk, you're gonna open stuff, you're gonna climb over stuff, you're gonna pick up this radio, you're gonna make dialogue choices. You're gonna. The only thing we don't teach you to do, which we then do on the morning of day one, is look at something and radio about it. Is like the target situation, right. which is the most complex mechanic in the game for a non-gamer because it's almost like a shooter. You have to like look at something, and put it in your reticle, and then pull a trigger, and then you get a context. You get stuff to talk about. Um, so, but we tried to like very, very smoothly make sure by the time you picked up the radio, we there wasn't a whole lot more to learn about how to be in this world so it was nice to sort of have this like layered experience of learning how to be henry and learning who henry was at the same time that was a that was very conscious that was a very conscious choice i think so i think i think it's I just, about the game i would just say uh um i think it's just a it's a unique uh jewel of a game and um again i'm not sure how much weight that will be because i'm not a gamer but uh it's a very good compliment. I, I'm trying to give you. I appreciate it. And if, if it was 1997, I would play Jewel the game about yeah. living. <laughs> but and uh, I was telling becoming a pop star. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Chris before you uh, came in. It was like I'm really excited because you know if you were to make five more of these types of games, like not the same type, but a game, but five different unique games, I think you just that used to be amazing game studio. If we get to make five more games as a game studio, yeah. I'm going to be really, really excited about okay. what we will have done in my career. Because <laughs> that yeah. will be about... I think I'm 31. I got five games. That seems like it takes two years each. I'm yeah. going to have literally nothing to say in my yeah. 40s because I'll be like completely burned out. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if I can do five, if we can do five, then we're going to... Okay. That would be really incredible. So thank you for putting that energy out into the world. We'll try to <laughs> live up to Christopher's expectations. Just leave up to my expectations. That's all I ask. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. My my. That's my, good. That's like good vibes, though. That's like good. If that's if that energy is out there, that energy yeah. is floating around. That there is yeah. a desire for five. The problem is, what if we want to make a sixth game and then like it's like a it's like a, um, a monkey's paw. And just remember, like, <laughs> what did Chris say? Five games or six games? Like, yeah. oh no, yeah. I don't, yeah. The, the ghost we of go, the Day after the fifth game, we go to the studio and it's just burned to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, should listen to that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll make no more. <laughs> the uh, I want to just ask as a bit of a segue into a less serious topic, maybe, but the the podcast that you guys do and the podcast network, sort of of sorts, you guys have. Mm-hmm. What's um, there's kind of this like podcasting now is really popular, obviously, but oh, it's all the rage. Yeah, everybody has a podcast. And Snapchat kids, and podcasting. Yeah, so sorry, <laughs> exactly. That's my two niches. The yeah. uh, but like in my mind, I'm still like pr- uh, successful professional people don't podcast. It's kind of how I like now celebrities are starting to do it and stuff like as a thing. But like, what do you mean successful professional <laughs> people don't podcast? I'm not so Bill Simmons. 
Fill out the Bill Simmons is like <laughs> I know now contract you designed. Uh, I know yeah. now they do, yeah. yeah. But it's just so fun, like to see somebody like you're owning Campo Santo and you, you know, whatever, and like yeah. you're, you're, but you talk a lot of times and obviously play a lot of games and you're, which is you know naturally yeah. that you would have to obviously. But anyway, I guess just how does like it's not, I'm not really asking like the time perspective thing, but just knowing how, what's involved in putting a podcast together and, and having a few of them that you guys do collectively or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that fit into the schedule and what, like how does that sort of kept your creative fires going? Yes. In terms of what you guys do in your day job to have this yeah. podcast outlet going. Well, you'll notice that I haven't been on the podcast much in the right. past like <laughs> six months. Um, so, uh, yeah, the podcast is called Idle Thumbs, by the way. Um, right, so, yeah. And then there's the Idle Thumbs Podcast Network. And basically, if you like gaming podcasts, there's something. There's at least one thing done by Idle Thumbs that you'll probably like. There's the main show that is currently um, hosted by Chris Rebo, Nick Brecken, and Jake Rodkin. And then every once in a while, I pop up. Um, I used to be on, it used to be Jake, me, and Chris a lot. But we all kind of like now we just work in the same place all the time, so we're a little like it's a little stale by the time we all get together, you know, it's like a between, I think I was just like so stressed out working on the game on working on firewatch. And also, um, we sit five feet away from each other. So it's like all day for 50 hours a week or whatever, when we're in development and it's like, Oh, now let's steal two hours away and just have other conversations in here. But these are the ones we're going to record, you know, yeah. and we'd find ourselves like at lunch, which we used to never get lunch together because Chris worked at double fine. Um, and we worked at telltale, um, and we, when we would do the podcast, it was like, "Hey, man, good to see you." Like, we let's get let's what's going on? Have you played this? You play this, you know? Yeah. So that's able to be recreated, I think, because now Nick Brecken, who doesn't work at Campo Santo, can come in. Um, anyway, there's Idle Thumbs, which is just sort of free flowing conversation about games. Um, Danielle Riendo and Rob Zachney do a, a podcast called Idle Weekend, which is just a different perspective on the news, pretty much, because they're both journalists. Um, what's going on in the gaming news? There's esports today that Rob does. Um, it's like a high-level esports podcast, and then a long-standing podcast that existed as early as Idle Thumbs that we then kind of like merged with. It was a podcast called Three Moves Ahead, which is a strategy games podcast. It's very good. Troy Goodfellow and Rob Zachney host that. Um, it's a Netrunner podcast by Nels. There's a book podcast by Chris and his wife. Um, and then there's weird little ones that pop up. Steve Gaynor from Fulbright. He made Gone Home and is working again called Tacoma did after gone home completed he did a 10 episode miniseries called uh um, tone control that is just sitting down with devs for like an hour and a half and going over their entire body of work and trying to like draw through threads through it and it's like real people i mean it started with jake and i so like whatever but then it's like ken levine and soren johnson and like neil Druckmann. it's like you know like people you really it's really interesting to hear their perspectives um so yeah, it's just a platform for us to like do stuff that is we don't that is not um, Campo related. It existed before Campo Santo. It'll exist, you know. Chris has really like been able to like start to shape it a lot more because you know he was working at Double Fine and doing so much work for them, and then coming over to the studio and like recording Out of Thumbs at the Out of Thumbs studio. But we now have like a dedicated on-site Thumbs studio at the at um, Campo Santo that um we can use for recording music for the game we can do podcast stuff and we can erin um she usually does them from home but she can do her she's the office manager but also she was the voice of one of the teens in the lake um oh nice she played the chelsea she played snow in the wolf among us she was in tales of the borderlands um as 
one of the main two female leads, so I can't remember. She's just a really accomplished voice actress and like stage actress. So she works at Campo Santo and she can go in there and use of the equipment. So it's a really good situation. And now I feel like uh, Chris, especially who's sort of like the engine behind Idle Thumbs can really like continue to shape it as a thing. So, you know, I, I, we're all really multidisciplinary is all it really means to me is that like, we all like to just do other stuff. Um, you know, we're all like close at the studio, but at the same time, we all have very, very, we have varying interests. And the cool thing about Idle Thumbs is that it's become a place where those varying interests can be expressed in an interesting way. Um, like I always have like two ideas for like mini podcast, mini series I want to do. Oh, I did a podcast series, mini a series for a while that is like on hiatus called Dota today. That was like interviews with people in the Dota world. Cause I like that, but Chris and Jake don't give two bleeps about it. You know? So it's, it's kind of fun that it's like, they're very different, right? Even though they sound like they should be the same, like, because can't idle thumbs doesn't need to support a human life. Um, Campo Santo is an entertainment company and we have to make products that people buy or we don't get to work it there anymore. And we have to go work somewhere else. Like idle thumbs is an entertainment company as well, but it does, it's a non-commercial entertainment company, even though it does make money and has ads and like is self-sustaining. Um, it's very expensive actually to run that many podcasts, believe it or not. Um, I believe it. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But it doesn't have to, I can have, you know, I could decide tomorrow I wanted to do a, like a podcast about any, like, snap making. Brothers, like, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's my actual lunchbox from when I was uh, a little one, when I was in the yeah. first grade. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's just a place where we can exp like, do weird stuff. Um, and Campo is that to some extent because we have the Quarterly Review, which is a literary journal that is completely non commercial and just like something we think is cool to do. Um, costs us money <laughs> to do because <laughs> it's a you know it's a quality piece of right it's a quality piece done by duncan yeah i don't know it's just like another avenue of expression i guess is the way to describe it but yeah, it is a good. lot of work it is a ton of work everything is work but like living a full life is work it's not just going to happen to you like if you want to do stuff you just got to like get up and do it yeah. even though i don't like to i like to go <laughs> i'm in my house right now so i like to go in the other room and do nothing yeah. um, which is my favorite thing to do yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it's great. I was listening to a couple episodes. I hadn't heard of it before now, yeah. at this moment, before the interview anyways. And just like, yeah, it's there's a million, every, like we said, everybody has podcasts now, but it's still fun to stumble across, especially like in the gaming world, there's it, there's a there's a lot, but a lack of like good discussion from smart, intelligent folks I sometimes find. And so I was, yeah, I just really enjoyed the, the random sampling I grabbed anyways, and we'll subscribe awesome. to some shows, so. Yeah, Thank cool. you. Yeah, I will pass that along to the guys because Jake and Chris will be very happy about that. They put a lot of love into it. Well, I think that's a good wrapping up point. Uh, just uh, one question we, we always ask towards the end is like, what are you, what are you passionate about, or what are you guys, or what are you excited about right now? Besides oh Firewatch Two, obviously. Besides Firewatch Two. Um, that's a good question. What am I passionate about right now? I'm really into documentaries right now. I'm super into documentaries. I'm really I've been watching like basically every single documentary about mountain climbing that oh, exists. Nice. I watch I've watched every one of them. I've seen <laughs> all of them. I've just sort of like really into like these documentaries where people push themselves to like do I would first off I would never do this. I would never do this. I would I watched The Summit which is about an accident on K2. I watched Meru which is about an accident on Meru. Um like 
and I would just know, like, why? Like, I don't like once you see the photograph up there, like, I, I kind of get it. Like, it's a little intoxicating, but um, mm-hmm. I've just been watching a lot of docs. Um, I watched a documentary about ultra marathoners called the Barkley Marathons. It's on Netflix. It's really cool. Like, they're like all these docs are like the thing I find interesting that I'm starting to notice about documentaries because I'm watching way more than I ever watched before is that um, it's there's not a there's not very many good ones. Like, even a documentary that I like, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, oh, some. Eh, had some fluff in it and like what was that really is that about? i was entertained but was like is that you know um but i'm kind of into i'm really interested in like the what the great what the perfect like the great documentary is right now i'm just sort of interested in the form and there's just so much more work like it seems like for the individual right like obviously it's a ton of work to sh- make iron man you know uh it's just an, it's like moving an army but then it's done. It's like we're gonna shoot for seventy days. We're gonna do special effects for two hundred days or whatever, and then it's like boom, ba boom, ba boom. But like a doc, you can just get lost in. It's like right. years of these people's lives, and there's no money in it. And it's just like if you're making documentary film, you're just like, I would like to be a poor person. I'm signing up for that, please. Even if I win an Oscar, I would like to be poor, please. I really just care about this thing more than I care about making money. Um, and I find that really interesting. I don't know. I find that you just get, it makes the good one feel so interesting. It's such a special discovery because the person who made this clearly could be making money doing something else, but they made this. And, um, yeah, that's just kind of what I'm into right now, I guess. I hadn't realized that until you asked me. Like I had not said that out loud other than the fact that like when I'm like, what was I wish I was doing right now? I wish I was like curled up on my couch. Like, staring at my like samsung tv looking at documentaries on netflix yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what uh felt like with uh, designing a murderer i think it's the oh you know, making, a murderer? making a murderer yeah yeah that's what, yeah, yeah. I watched like, it. It, it took them forever to make it you know they're doing something else to make money or whatever to make it but the the design choices the, the, i mean the directing choices if you will or the editing choices they made are like uh, substantial to the storytelling, but they just made a really great, compelling, binge-watching, you know, documentary. So it's pretty awesome. So like, so when you find the good one, you know, you're just like, wow, that was amazing. You're just stuck with it. So totally. Yeah. No, it's it's like a weird alchemic thing. It's like um, that's very, I'm really into it. I don't have anything interesting to say other than what I've said about it because like there's, <laughs> there's an I know I'm going to make like some sort of discovery I'm like oh my god this is the thing about docs I feel like I'm a, just a baby we should make yeah. a documentary about you learning or watching documentaries and then the discovery at the end whatever <laughs> you find of, I'm going to go <gasps> and then it's going to cut yeah <laughs> <laughs> helicopter yeah. will come in take you away and we won't know the ending no, <laughs> yeah. oh man oh. Software, but yeah. Wrap cool. it all up. Awesome. So, uh, how can people find you on the internet? Um, they could Google me. <laughs> no, don't yeah. do that. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my last name is Vanaman, and my mm. handle is Vanaman. And uh, Camposanto.com uh, is the home of all of our stuff. And we have a really good dev blog and a Twitter account that we keep pretty active. Okay. And uh, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> like pretty much just like my friends who follow me on Instagram. But yeah, that's it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun, guys. Okay, awesome. Cool. And thanks for making a great game. Pretty awesome. Oh, mm-hmm. thank, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Take care. And as always, thank you, listeners, for subscribing, liking, and telling others about Non-Breaking Space Show. 
on iTunes. Remember, you can set it, forget it with not breaking space show the newsletter. So whenever the show is ready, you can have a new email show up in your email, email box by signing up for the newsletter at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. Also, you can find notes and links that we mentioned in this conversation at nonbreakingspace.tv. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Teleject. That's T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T, where I try to be funny in spite of myself. In the meantime, be sure to grab yourself a copy of Firewatch, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.